A question of the heart. Faithful. Romans chapter 9. A question of the heart. Romans chapter 9. So we're going to be dealing about the heart. It's been shared. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. So we're going to go to God's heart, the heart of the servants, the heart of the matter. And I was having a heart attack, so I asked Siri to, you know, how you ask Siri to call me an ambulance. So from now on, Siri keeps referring to me as an ambulance. <laughs> but we really you shouldn't break anybody's heart because, you see, people only have one heart. So don't break people's heart. Break their bones instead because they've got 206 bones. You can... Anyway, so Romans chapter 9 begins the section of Romans that deals with the sovereignty of God. God's God's control of matters. Romans 9, 10, and 11, the sovereignty of God. So let's begin. Verse 1 to verse 5, there's a heart problem. Hearts are important. If you have a heart problem, you know it. If your heart stops, you'll know it. It only has to stop for a little while. So Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. So we're going to see the heart of God's servants. Paul had a heart for his people. Now, it says in verse 3, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. So Paul made quite a statement. Now, I love God. I've given up some things for God. I'm willing to give up more things for God. But my salvation is not on the table, okay? Paul said, I would, I would step out from the blessings of Jesus Christ if I could get Israel in. That's love. That's really the love of God. So Moses was similar. When Moses went to get the Ten Commandments and then came back down and all the Israelites were partying and they made this golden calf and... Uh, God got mad. Moses got mad, threw the Ten Commandments down. And then he told the the people, he said, you've sinned a great sin. But then he asked God in, in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 32. He said, yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, Moses said to God, I pray thee out of thy book, which thou hast written. Wow. Moses said, if you don't forgive them, don't forgive me. Whoa. You know, that's the love of God. So there have been people with a heart as big as that, willing to give up everything so that others would be redeemed. And we see that really manifested in the heart of Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus was made sin for us. He was made accursed. He was. He did literally what Paul and Moses talked about that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, when we're squeezed, have you ever been squeezed like under a situation, like uh, put under pressure? And when you're put under pressure, maybe it's in traffic, maybe it's at work, maybe it's if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Maybe it's in the kitchen when the pressure gets turned up. Well, when we're squeezed, What happens when you squeeze an orange? Well, the stuff that's on the inside of the orange comes onto the outside. It's called orange juice, right? When you squeeze a person, what's on the inside comes to the outside. What 
Cindy Lauper said, my true colors shine through, right? I'm not going to try to sing like her. And anyway, I, but our true colors show. And the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus was on the cross. What did he say? Oh, Father, I can't wait till you have revenge on these people. No, he said, Father, forgive them. And imagine you're dying on the cross and it's hard to breathe on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was the heart of God. I remember there was, I was a young Christian and this, this really spoke to my heart. So there was a young lady there named Julie. She was married. And uh, she said something like this. She said, I knew something happened uh, when I burnt my hand with the iron and I didn't curse. She knew something had happened in her life and I don't remember exactly how she shared it, but man, that, I heard that almost 30 years ago and that spoke to my heart as a new Christian. See, when God changes us, when we're put under pressure, what's on the inside comes out, but it's different stuff. And the Bible says, so Paul's dealing with the, with the, the, the problem that there's in a heart because he said Israel in verse 4, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption. They were adopted. And the glory, that's the Shekinah, that glory that would come down in, uh, in the temple, in David's temple, in, uh, or uh, Solomon's temple, and uh, that the priest couldn't even stand to minister. That was the Shekinah. It's called the glory here. And the covenants, the promises, and the giving of the law. The law belonged to the Jews, not us. And the service of God in Leviticus, all the things that they did. And the promises of God whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. See, Israel had everything. So Israel had all this stuff. You know, you know sometimes when people have everything, they get a little proud. You know, someone has all those toys. <laughs> Amen. So we have the explanation of God's heart. It seems that Israel began to to change the view of what God should do. You ever have your child? No, this is the way it's going to be. Oh, whoa. I can imagine that. You know, children, they, they lose their minds sometimes. But that's what Israel did. They thought that they had a standing with God because they had a history with God. Say, oh, but we've been friends for a minute. Well, that doesn't give you an opportunity to change God's heart. God's heart is God's heart. And so we have an explanation of God's heart in verse 6 to 13. An explanation of God's heart. Because really, this is a question of the heart of the matter. So Paul had a heart for God. Jesus has a heart for his Father. And then we'll find that God is sovereign and God is merciful. You're going to find some things out about God. Let me tell you, you serve God, you'll find out some things about God. And let me tell you, from personal experience, you'll find out things about yourself. I mean, God will show you now, if you really want to pray this prayer, I don't say that you should, okay? It's a dangerous prayer. But if you want to find something out about yourself, ask the Lord. Oh, yeah. Say, Lord, show me myself. And oh, you're going to probably go home, clean your bathroom, polish your shoes, make sure that you watch age-appropriate stuff that day. But he won't show you then. It's going to be when the squeeze comes. And then you know what God's going to say? There you go. <laughs> and oh, I just learned that about myself. You know what? But God, he's a very merciful God and he doesn't do that. He'll only do it now. I've done that before. I haven't done it in a while. It's like, God, 
Make me patient. No, don't pray that prayer. And God, I was kidding. That was just for effect. I don't want that, right? I know how that comes, right? I got plenty of patience, right? Amen. But God is sovereign. He's a ruler and he's merciful. You'll find these things out when you have a heart to get to know God. And you'll also find out a lot about yourself. So, and it's a blessing. So, not as though, verse 6, the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Now, that's quite a statement. So, you, oh, you might have the name on your tribe, but you're really not part of God's people. Whoa, that's quite a statement that Paul made. Now, now notice he goes into verse 7. Neither, because they are all the seed of Abraham, are they all children. And they say, well, we have Abraham as our father. But Abraham had more than one child. He had two. And it says, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So Abram had two kids, one by Hagar, who was this bondservant of his wife, Sarah. And Ishmael was made in uh, the natural way that kids are made without going into that. So, but Isaac was made through a supernatural birth because he was born of Sarah after Sarah went through menopause. And the Bible says after the time of women had expired, right, with her, she was no longer able to have children. But Isaac came by a promise. Ishmael came by works. Now we're beginning to get into what Israel is going, the problem of Israel with God is that they thought that by their works, they were going to be justified. But Paul is saying that Ishmael wasn't justified by works. Isaac was justified by promise and God was the one who made the choice see God gets a chance to choose and it says uh, if you read in the book of Genesis that uh, Ishmael was mocking Isaac that works and faith don't get along have you ever met someone that was all on their works they, they, they like, you know, held their, their $20 bill up when they put it in the offering praise God that they put it in but it's not about our works it's about God's salvation amen so the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. There was a time that Paul in the book of Philippians, I'll not read it, it's in chapter 3 and verse Three to nine. He, he goes over his spiritual pedigree, all of the things. He was the Pharisee of a Pharisee, tribe of Benjamin. And he said, but those things I were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. He said, I don't look back on my spiritual pedigree. He said, I count it like manure, dung, that I may win Christ. So he said, I'm approaching God by faith, not by my pedigree. Verse eight, that is that they which are the children of the flesh these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So Paul is going back to Israel saying it never really was about works. It was about the promise of God. God chose and God made promises and we have to look to his promises from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, you know, people might say this and then we, we might not know a lot about people who are Jewish, but... Uh, you know, you, you talk to people that say, oh, I come from a long line of preachers. You ever talk? We're in the South. I come. Daddy was a preacher. Mama was a preacher. Grandparents were preachers. You know what? Thanks. Thank God for all your family's faithfulness. That's what I say. Praise God. I mean, if there's some preachers and you come from a long lineage of preachers, praise God. But let me deliver some bad news. 
God doesn't have grandchildren. <laughs> you can't be God's grandchild. You have to be a child of God. And that means you have to get hooked up yourself. I, I can't, my daughter's not a Christian just because she grow, grew up in a household where her mother and her father are a Christian. She has to make a choice to repent of her sin and invite Christ in as her Savior. And I really hope she does, but really. Well, don't you want, if your child doesn't make it to heaven, well, I want my child to make it to heaven. And we all do. We want our children to make it to heaven. But you know what? It's going to be her choice, not mine. And you know, the people that don't make it to heaven, let me tell you, I'm not going to be crying in heaven for people that choose not to go because it was their choice. I'm going to be rejoicing in heaven. And as long as I'm down here, I'm going to try to convince other people to get on the bus and go to heaven too. Amen. So this tourist came by this, this like tourist town and he found this guy who was a resident. He goes, you live here? He said, yep. He said, any famous people born here? And the man said, nope, just babies. <laughs> and that's all that God's looking for. It's not a bunch of famous people, but just people born again by the spirit of God. Verse nine, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even your father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, before they were even born, God said, look, Esau's coming out first. I know he's first born, but he's not going to be in charge. I'm just going to make the call. Have you ever made the call, like in some sports game or whatever, or boxing or something? I make the call. This is what's going to happen before the fight even starts. That's what God did. But guess what? God's always right. He's not the weatherman. The weather guy can lie and get paid. How do you know? Well, I mean, even my Apple phone lies to me. I look at it and it says, cloudy, and I'm outside, and it's raining on me. Lies, okay? But God doesn't lie. And the sovereignty of God, he can make a choice. If he wants to choose someone to do something, God has the sovereignty to do that. It doesn't mean that someone else isn't saved, but he can elevate someone and put them down. God is at complete liberty to do that. And that's what he said of Jeremiah. Have you ever read Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5? It said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He said, Before you were conceived, I knew who you were. Wow. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I don't even know if I should say the word because I'm not trying to alienate. But that's why... Abortion is wrong. And I'm not trying to, you know, if you've had an abortion, God's a forgiving God. God can forgive, okay? But God has a plan for people's lives. Not just when they're in the womb, but before they're even conceived. Like that man said, was it in the Princess Bride? Inconceivable. But even before you're conceived, God has a plan. Now, whether you, uh, whether you, concede to do it or not now that god has a plan for your life and my life and our job is to find out what it is and go do it so uh god is sovereign and in verses 14 to 24 we find this objection that the jews he's kind of playing the part of the jews what shall we say then in verse 14 
to verse 24, is there unrighteousness with God? And then Paul said, God forbid. There was a story I heard, this uh, preacher named J. John tells a story about donuts. And I, I thought it was a good story. So this man, he's at an airport and he's hungry, you know. So he gets a coffee, he gets a, little, a bag of little donuts, which are just good whenever you find them. And so he looks for a place to sit and he only finds that all the tables are taken. So he finds one table and there's a guy already sitting there. But he's like, well, okay. So he goes and... Uh, over to that table where the guy is sitting and, uh, you know, uh, puts his coat on the chair, his coffee down, and his bag's all down. And then, you know, he sits down <sighs> opposite the other guy and pops his coffee open at the top of the coffee, takes a sip, and then he opens up the bag of donuts and takes one out and, and eats it. And the man across from him reaches across the table, opens the bag of donuts, takes one out, and eats it himself and smiles. And so the guy that just sat down with this coffee, he's like, you donut thief. But he didn't say it because he doesn't know if the guy's cuckoo because it's at the airport, right? So he's like, I cannot believe this. So he just gives him one of those looks. Have you ever given someone one of those looks? Well... So he takes the bag of donuts, moves it closer to his coffee, it kind of turns and sits kind of facing away from the other guy, takes another one out and eats it. The other man reaches across the table, takes another donut out, eats it, and smiles, then pushes the donuts back. So he says, I cannot believe this guy did this twice. <laughs> he, took, he stole two of my donuts. So the other guy... The donut thief, right? He gets up to leave. And uh, he puts on his coat, reaches into the bag of donuts one last time. But you see, there's only one last donut. Breaks it in two. Eats half and puts the other half into the bag, pushes it towards the man who's fuming, right? And then smiles and waves and, and walks off. And the other guy's like, I am not touching that donut, you donut thief. You're probably full of some kind of infection, like a COVID donut or something like that. So then he realizes, oh, it's my time to go too. So he gets up, he puts his coat on, he gets his coffee, he bends up, he bends down to pick up his bag. And sitting on top of his bag are his bag of donuts. See, he was complaining that the other man was stealing his donuts when that wasn't what was happening. The other man was sharing his donuts. And then I like what J. John, the preacher, said. He goes, God owns all the donuts. <laughs> you know, that when we look at it, we're trying to get, say, well, that's my donuts, not your donut. God owns all the donuts. And he said, you get 10, you should take one and give it to the church you go to. That's called time. But you know that God owns all the donuts. He's a sovereign God. And that's what we learn here in Romans chapter 9. For he saith to Moses in verse 15, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I own all the donuts. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So it is not then, uh, so it is, so then, excuse me, it is not of him that willeth or of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. You know what? The Bible says 
We're not saved by faith. It says we're saved by grace (laughs) through faith. Without the grace of God, God wouldn't have opened your eyes to your need for salvation. We need his grace. Sometimes we need to come back and realize, wow, it's not all the things that I've done, God, but it's your amazing grace that you even showed me I was on the wrong path. And the Bible says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And you know that God even talked about Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar as my servants. You know, God can use anyone he wants and call them his servant. And he can raise them up and he can put them down. Therefore, he, therefore that he hath mercy... On whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. And some people say, well, that's not fair because God can just harden me and it's not fair. Well, I like what some person said, and I'm repeating it. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Now, the sun's not at fault. The problem is what we're made of shows how we respond to the same that's why I'll preach and I'll see some people go, <laughs> and other people are like, <laughs> I mean, I'll see all kinds of reactions. Have you seen that, Reverend? It's like some people are half asleep and some people are like smiling. Some people are picking their nose or their nails and other people are there, you know, other people are mad at you. You know, I remember one guy, he would go like, amen, amen. And then I said something and he went, hmm. I mean, there was no more amen. You know, something happened there. I don't remember what I said, but the Bible says in verse 19, Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the power, potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory? Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. You know that God is able not only to form the Jews to his will, but also others. That's what the Bible said. God is sovereign. He can make, you know, have you ever seen how pottery is made? You get that spinning table, which is a potter's wheel, and it's operated by your feet, or now it's electric probably, and you put a lump of clay on there, and then you have tools in your hands, and it begins to spin. It's wet, right? And you just put your finger in it and you begin to make it into a vase and you put your finger in the middle of it and you hollow it out and you can use these tools to inscribe it. And it's fine when it's wet, right? But even Jeremiah, he was told, go down to the potter's house, I gotta show you something. And so this potter was working and it, somehow it was marred in the hands of the potter. Maybe there was a rock in it. Maybe it was too dry. And uh, the Bible said, so he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. If there's a mess, God can remake as long as we're not hard. You can't remake hard pottery, right? But as long as there's water, as long as we're malleable, God can remake us into something else. And that's the message that he has for Israel. God can make 
whomsoever he wills, including you and me. And you know what? God is, God is here to help us to grow. Amen. And sometimes it's unfortunate, the things we have to go through to help us grow. But as long as I grow, I was talking to someone and I said, you know, if it's expensive, you know, as long as you learn from it, then it was worth it, right? It's like if you go to Harvard, it's not free, right? Unless you get a scholarship. But you pay for those classes at Princeton or Harvard, it's, it's expensive if you don't learn anything. But if you learn something, it's worth that education. If I go through something and I have to pay a bunch of money and it was a mistake, it's not a loss if I learn from it. It was just an expensive class. <laughs> but I, I, I went up a step and I learned from it. It's a way to look at it. So verses 25 to 29, here's the proof of new hearts that God has a heart for you and me, the Gentiles. As he saith also in Osei, which is Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah, which is Isaiah, also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah or Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth, which means armies, had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made unto like unto Gomorrah. You see, Israel would have been destroyed many times, but God preserved a seed. God preserved that seed of David all the way through when the devil tried to destroy Israel. God preserved a seed that the prophecy would come through, the seed of David. David the son of David, Jesus Christ, would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. So verse 30 to 33, here's the conclusion, the question of the heart that he draws. And it really comes down to our heart. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, when we go through something, it's really not all this other stuff. It's just us. We have to just, you know, when we come down to the reality of it between us and God, we get a different conclusion than Maybe the, the, the situation we're even telling other people about. It's between us and God. It's our heart and God's heart. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness? Even the righteousness which is of faith. So Paul said all this to say to the Jews, it's not about a bunch of things you do. It's about coming to God with your heart. And that's how you attain righteousness not by sacrifices and by being born in the right family but the bible said but israel verse 31 which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness so preacher why not wherefore verse 32 because they sought it not by faith trusting god it's very subtle but we can get to where like god but i do this and i do this and i do this and you sound like israel no, that's not what God's... But I come to church and I pay my tithe. Well, you know what? So do millions of Christians. And some of them are taken and imprisoned and some are, are beaten and tortured in, in Muslim countries and in other places. But they still love God too. Bad things happen to good people. But you see, the Bible said that Israel sought not righteousness by faith, trusting God, but as it were by the works of the law that they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Now it's a blessing to do what God wants you to do. I do too. But the Bible said, but as it is written, behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. What's that? Christ. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
I, I'm, I didn't hear him preach this, but I'm told that there was a message that Pastor Olson preached called stumbling blocks or stepping stones. And it can be a stumbling stone. Christ can be a stumbling stone. Or he can be a stepping stone. Now, the Jews stumbled out of God's will and out of God's righteousness by relying on their works. When it came down to the heart, they were just relying on their works. But the Gentile, or whosoever, stepped up to God. Not on God, but up to God, using that faith as a stepping stone by relying on Christ. And when it comes down to the question of the heart, it comes down to our heart. And when we come down to a, you know, brethren, I don't like going through squeezy times, right? But life gives us some squeezy times. You get squeezy times in your marriage, squeezy times at your job. I remember one time I was about to quit and I just went and raked the lawn. Why? Because I, I'm gonna, I raked the lawn with violence. I mean, I was just, I had a bunch of energy. Really, because I was going to do something else, but I had to put that energy through the rake. I don't think I broke the rake, but... But God also showed me something that I had a little bit of pride in me, right? So I didn't like a woman who was in charge telling me something. And I don't think it was correct, but, you know, I had some, you know, that, that, that came out. So I had to go rake. So, you know, God showed me some things. And I don't remember what I did that day. Don't remember how many hours I worked that day. But I remember my response in that, you know, thank God I didn't blow up. But, you know, you learn things about yourself when you get the squeeze. So when you get the squeeze... Remember, it's a question of the heart. Take it to God. God can help us to grow because God looks down on us with mercy. God looks down on us. He chose you. He said, you haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you. God's chosen us that we and ordained us that we go forth and we bear much fruit. And the Bible also says that our fruit, which is people, right, should remain. Amen. So let's dismiss in prayer. Father, have your way. Lord, let our heart approach you. Lord, let us be just like that malleable clay that can be fashioned by the hands of the master. Amen.